You're listening to Harper Audio Presents, a podcast that brings you conversation and inspiration from your favorite authors, editors, and creators, giving you new perspectives on the world of books, culture, and the arts. We are part of the HarperCollins Presents network of podcasts. I'm Ana Maria Alessi, and in this episode of Harper Audio Presents, we're going to share something a bit different, an interview with a comedian. We'll hear from Whitney Cummings, not about a book she's written that's about to publish, but about how she created the hit TV show, Whitney, and what it's like to work at making people laugh. Whitney Cummings chats with Dan Levy, an award-winning comedian, writer, and producer who's worked on television shows for E!, Comedy Central, NBC, and more. His comedy album, Congrats on Your Success, was number one on iTunes when released in 2011. This conversation is an excerpt from a hilarious new podcast from Dan called People in My Phone, where he interviews his friends, or people in his phone. Whitney Cummings is a comedian, actress, and writer. She's best known as the creator and star of the NBC sitcom Whitney, as well as the co-creator of the CBS sitcom Two Broke Girls. She grew up around Washington, D.C., and began performing stand-up comedy in 2004. In 2008, she got a big break when she appeared on the late-night HBO stand-up series Down and Dirty with Jim Norton. In 2009, she was one of the guest roasters for the Joan Rivers Comedy Central roast, and she released her debut stand-up album, Emotional Ninja. In 2010, her first hour-long stand-up special, Money Shot, debuted on Comedy Central, and then she went on to create and star in her own sitcom, Whitney. Here now is an excerpt from the podcast, People in My Phone, hosted by Dan Levy, speaking with comedian Whitney Cummings about her whirlwind experience creating the NBC sitcom, Whitney. I think we should talk about season one, because I, f- I feel yeah. like that was a really crazy experience for me, but I think obviously, especially for you and just the whole, people ask me about that all the time. Really? Yeah. People are like, 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 what was that like? Like how, how did Whitney handle that whole situation? Because I mean, I don't know if people like remember, but but what happened was we were just like, it was a normal like year. Like you sold another TV show and like, you know, people, I feel like they even realized that that was like, I feel like I was reading your pilots. Years before the the Whitney, oh, the Whitney so thing. Oh, it's so funny because it's like people are like, oh, where did she come from? Like I was failing for a long, a long time, time before I publicly failed. failed. <laughs> um, but yeah, I had done. Remember, I did that pilot for Fox that um, that the sisters about the three one, three sisters, it was, and then the really funny Comedy Central one where you play right, yourself. Which and, they didn't even call me to tell me they weren't picking it up. Yeah, they like didn't even tell me. I saw Jim Jeffries in. Montreal, and we both had pilots at Comedy Central that year that we had written. And I was like, hey, dude, have you heard anything? And he was like, oh, yeah, can you believe that they put, they waited three days to schedule a conference call. We're going back and forth with my agents. It took like a week for us to all get on the phone at the same time. And then on the phone said, we're not picking it up. Like who, like that's what you, you think you're getting picked up if everybody's like scheduling conference calls. Yeah. And I was like, oh, well, they must be pick, they, I must be getting good news then because I haven't heard anything at all. And I asked my manager, whoever at the time, to follow up. And I was like, did I get picked up? They didn't you know, um, say anything. And they were like, oh, yeah, no, we just called them. They're not picking it up. 
like they forgot to tell me. Like they didn't and even I, tell me. Honestly, that script, which was just you playing yourself, like, my favorite. like living in an apartment behind the comedy store, right. was so funny. That's still my favorite thing I've yeah. written. It was about uh, I meet a guy who's in Alcoholics Anonymous, mm-hmm. and he says that he and I like fall in love with him, and he says he can't date outside of the program. So I pretend I'm in the program to like get in his life yeah. and then I pretend to be an alcoholic but then I actually become an alcoholic yeah. and like I have to like relapse and all this stuff and then my life like goes off the road. And your name is a porn star. My name so... is a porn star who's like has her like together yeah. and has like an empire and I'm like a hot mess. And it was it was so funny but anyway so that was you know and so. Even, I, it might you know what it might be going. Yeah it they, might, they it might get picked they up. Might pick it up it at might, some point. It's coming on after workaholics. <laughs> They haven't answered me, so I assume it's still in contention. <laughs> and and then so then like the next year, remember you you, you wrote the I wrote a movie. I did a rewrite on a new line movie that didn't go. Yeah. Um and then I did like a Lexus campaign where I like went around the country and mm-hmm. did a talk show inside the new Lexus car. Uh-huh. Um <laughs> you heard it. Um, that's where I started like getting like financial, like having some income. Yeah. Because just so everyone knows when I first met Whitney, she was in a very small apartment and you would only eat carrots and barbecue sauce half because you had an eating disorder, half because you had no money. Yes. And you, I, I will, I, I really think you, you are probably of everyone I know. Mm -hmm. I think you actually are like the Hollywood story. Really? Seriously, because, you know, you, I know that, you know, you, you worked for everything you, you, you did. Like, it's all, all you. Like, you didn't know anyone. Yeah, I did You know, you know just kind of came here and was just I have a backup hustling. plan. Yeah, I didn't have a backup plan. I mean, yeah, it's so funny. Like, you saw it. Like, I was just like, whatever it takes. Because I couldn't get, I tried, I think the Hollywood story might be you come to Hollywood and, like, get cast in a big movie. Or you, but, like, like, the, like the bears on Two Bird Girls. Like, exactly. To me, that... No one would cast me. Nobody would hire me. I was always too quirky or too loud or, you know, I got too funny a lot. I had an agent at ICM told me I would never be on television. I was too quirky. I wasn't yeah. pretty enough. Um, now, then I, I don't mean like the Hollywood story. I mean, probably like, you know, the the Hollywood story to, to a regular person, though, because yeah, when yeah. I met you, you were eating like Harrison barbecue sauce. Yes. And now we're sitting I in like your ridiculous- I was selling my clothes at Buffalo Exchange and doing focus group testing for money. Uh-huh. You were um, interning at like Leslie Kahn Acting School. I was to, to, you're exactly right. I would clean up Leslie Kahn Acting School to get free classes. Uh-huh. And, and, and have sex with uh, random guys there. <laughs> <laughs> I never had sex with one guy from Leslie Kahn. Uh, hello. Oh, Josh. Oh, that's right. But is that where I met him? That's not where I met him. Oh, I thought you met him there. Oh, uh, this is a guy. I also, this is funny. I dated a guy who's an actor who Dan was roommates with. That's how I met you. That's how I heard of you. That's right. We were at this, like, we did a, Dan and I initially met on this pilot called Hell Date, which is now on BET, apparently. Yeah. Haven't seen those checks. <laughs> Lawyers calling. We were cut out of that. We were cut, yeah. We so were we cut out. We were pilot. cut out of the actual at, it show. Was like a, it was like a, like a prank show about like horrible dates. So I, of course, got the offer right away. Yeah. Um, like you're, you're make people miserable. And so we did like pranks. And then the night I met you, was it like at someone's house? Yeah, no, because there was like a callback at the guy's house. I remember, like, I remember. We By the way, this is when you haven't made it. When callbacks or auditions are at houses, <laughs> hotels, that's when you know life is going. Yeah, but anyways, you, you basically went from the, the carrots and barbecue sauce mm-hmm. to now we're in your house. Yeah. There's glass everywhere. <laughs> there's a Christmas tree. It's Christmas tree. There's podcasting equipment. <laughs> there's there's dog, pools. There's hot tubs. There's dogs. There's rooms. You name it. Just I cash. Mean, come Open on. every drawer. Just cash. There's stuff Gold. everywhere. 
but you know, just just because there was like you had you had nothing, you know. You took my treadmill. I took your treadmill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, come on, I'm now your Buffalo Exchange. <laughs> but um, but anyways, we getting back to, to what, season one. To season one. Yeah. So it just it was like another sort of um year where it was like, right. oh, hey, read this pilot. And I read it and it was uh-huh. like, I remember like saying jokes for that, saying jokes for right. Two Broke Girls. And then I, I was writing a pilot too for NBC. And it was like, oh, you sent me jokes for that. And then I remember <clears throat> I got a call first where they're like, uh, not making your pilot. And I called you and I was like so upset. And I was like, oh, my pilot didn't get picked up. And you're like, those people. <laughs> Even though those same people were picking up your show. <laughs> And you're like, F- those people, my show's going to get picked up. We'll work on my show. My show's going to be funny. F- those people. And then your show got picked up. And then it was like, I remember, I never like wrote on a show before. I, I wrote like pilots too, but I never like was right. on like a an staff. Actual, a staff or anything. Yeah. And I remember we went to the Two Broke Girls pilot and I was there just kind of like pitching stuff. And, oh, yeah, I, so and I had no it. idea like what I was even doing. I just be right. like, oh yeah, just n- now take this Which joke. Which I almost think is better. You know, it's like now having been through it and have hired staffs and been on staffs and you see it, I almost think inexperience is better because, you know, I think my first year, what made me feel safe was I'm going to hire people with the most experience, you know, like, because I have none yeah. doing this. So it was like, okay, they worked on Yes Dear for 10 years. They worked on King of Queens for 10 years. It's just... You know, but what ends up happening, I think, especially in multicam, is you get a lot of people who have seen it all, done it all. They're jaded. They yeah. are, you know, might sort of be formulaic. You know, they have no interest in doing something fresh. And then those are all people who, you know, now I understand how this business works. This is like every year writers are trying to get their own pilot made. So if someone gets staffed on your show, that means theirs didn't go. Mm-hmm. And so they're resentful to you that yours did. And they're spending that whole time developing their next thing for the next year. So it's like, I call it like the Hollywood welfare system. You know, <laughs> it's like you basically go and you're getting paid 30 grand a week to write on someone else's show and help their dream come true when you have your own dreams, you know? So I, my philosophy now, if I was to go staff a show, and we did this a little bit on Two Broke Girls, is get the young comedians, get the hungry people who want the experience, get the people that are going to think out of the box and don't know what the um, rules are, you know, so that they're not just, f- like, doing sort of old, um, unoriginal things or, you know, their eyes, they haven't heard every joke. They're excited. You yeah, know? yeah. Like, I feel like me and you were in that room, like, so excited. Yeah, I remember John John like Quaintance, who is a really funny writer, who was, like, yeah, the number two John. guy yeah. on the show. Like, I remember there was one night, it was, like, 11 o'clock at night, and we're, like, dying laughing, and he's like, what does this even mean? Why are you guys we're even dying. laughing at this? Because we love jokes. It's also <laughs> comedians are a little bit different. Like, I think when you're a writer... You know, it's it's just it's it's a little bit different. Yeah, we're like having a blast. We like have a TV show in there. We're thirty years old. Like we just like want to have fun and make like Jamba Juice jokes. We're dying, cracking each other up. Like Dan is like a light of ray of light, and everyone else is just like, oh, we just want to get home to our kids and write our pilot for next year so that we yeah. can get a show on the air. So it's tricky when you're, and I think when people bring up Seinfeld, they forget that. Jerry and Larry wrote a lot of that. They were just cracking each other up in a room, yeah. you know, and that's a lot of times how good things get made. You know, I know Louis C.K. has talked about this much more um, eloquently than I would, but when you get like a, a group of people together, it just turns into egos. It turns into pissing contests. It turns into people's feelings are hurt, sensitivities. It becomes basically like a family, which yeah, we've it- all been home for holidays. It's like people are being passive aggressive. People, you know, don't want to laugh at someone else's joke because they got another, already got too many jokes in. Like, 
like it just becomes like a morass of personal problems. And it was crazy because it's like I knew how fu- how funny you are, you know, or were, but are. But I, I so right away I was like, okay, yeah, this is gonna be so fun. Like Whitney's hilarious. Like she's so funny, whatever. But then I felt like people just weren't like familiar with you, or they weren't. It's kind of like well, this whole this whole like system the first is. Week I was there. Half the people hadn't seen my special. Yeah. So it was this weird thing where it's like they didn't see you. You know, as and uh, not not these writers. I think anyone like yeah. people were like, "Oh, Wh- Whitney got her own show. Like this is like super lucky. Like this is." Uh, like, that I wrote it. Yeah, exactly. And then it tested hugely. The reason we got that ad campaign is because it tested so highly. Yeah. So right away, I was like, "Oh, they don't like take Whitney seriously as a writer. No. Like she's like, especially a, if you're the star too. There's a little bit of a discrimination about like, oh, she's the star too. You know. Yeah. I mean, the second season was different because Two Broke Girls was like a full hit. Yeah. So I feel like people had a different, like, there was a way different respect. Like when you, and by the way, you know, and you should tell me because I felt like during that time, all the stuff was going on around me and I was like sequestered from it because I would just go from uh, CBS Radford to my house, which is about a mile drive. I'd go at six in the morning, I'd come back at eight, nine, 10 at night. And I would, that was just all I would see. Yeah. And then I remember the Emmys happened or, or something happened and I had to go to this like NBC party. And the show had was about to come out. And first of all, I drove and I saw that there were billboards everywhere. I hadn't seen billboards because yeah. they, this is there were none on my street. So I looked around and I was like, oh. And they were everywhere. They were everywhere. Because we and then remember we drove back from the comedy store one night and I was like, look, there's that, a billboard. I, know, and I, was I was like, take a picture. Driving, you're like, keep, keep driving. driving. I was like, no, you're on a giant billboard. We got to take a picture. Just and keep you were going, just like, please, just keep going. And it's so funny because people would be like, oh my God, those, those Whitney billboards. And I was like, honestly, like no one hates those Whitney billboards more, more than, than Whitney. Whitney. Oh, you saw that. Remember that time we were shooting them because you would do all the promos with me? Yeah. We were shooting them and they they showed me all the, and I was like, please, you can't print these. This is when I, yeah. I had fired a manager. I didn't have a manager and this is what made me decide to hire, you know, Jimmy Miller ultimately because I was like, what do you do when the network says we're printing these? And you're like, no, I know these are corny. I remember they came into like the trailer and they're like, so these are going to be on buses. And you were like, what? And then like five days later, there was like, they were everywhere. And I don't remember any, it's so funny. My publicist called me and she's like, are you putting these up yourself? (laughs) (laughs) And, um, and, and then it was a joke on Saturday night live. Yeah. Uh, Remember funny joke. Yeah. And, um, but I didn't know all that. And, like, I was just in the writer's room with you. I was trying to make a good show. Like, I was having a blast. Like, it was just like, we're doing a show. Who knows how long it's going to go? But let me enjoy it while it lasts. And then I hadn't seen any of the billboards because of my commute every day. And then I went to this party. And people will come up to me and talk to me like I had cancer. Yeah. They were like, how you doing? Yeah. And I was like, huh? I'm great. Like, what, what do you mean? And they're like, look, everyone hated Seinfeld at first, too. <laughs> and I was like, what? And they'd be like, hey, you hold it. Just hang in there. Hang in there. It takes people a while to catch on. And then other people would be like, look, they're just jealous. They're just jealous. And I'm like, what is everyone talking about? Yeah, because people, because. I it, got home, Googled myself, oh, and was like, oh. I remember you said to me, I don't know if you remember, but you were like so upset. And you're like, I can't even go to the websites I like anymore. So funny. I know, like pop sugar. I couldn't go to anything. So I stopped going to websites. I, I, you know, obviously didn't read reviews and stuff, but I could tell by the way other people treated me that that there yeah, was like just... something happening. And then I had that network meeting where in the beginning, you remember it was like they were like, okay, first six, seven episodes, let's just do let's recreate the pilot, basically. Let's yeah. just echo the pilot. Funny set piece where Whitney and Chris have like a funny thing. Yeah. You know, just very simple. And then I remember having a meeting and uh, it was after one of the run-throughs and the head of the network, Bob Greenblatt, super smart guy. And he handled it really well. 
he was like, um, okay, so we're going to have to change the format according to this like backlash against Whitney. <laughs> yeah, I know. I remember. Then it was- give the other characters more. Yeah, it was like, let's just be, let's do friends. And then yeah. it was like friends for a few episodes. And yeah. then I remember the first episode I wrote, yeah. they're like, now it's actually going to be a workplace comedy. That's and I was right. like, Whitney doesn't have a job. <laughs> I was like, how can we do a workplace comedy? And then it was like, you dress as the Joker with Kathy Griffin. <laughs> Oh my God, that's right. I was wearing a purple pantsuit. Yeah. You know what it was? It was like, and what people don't understand, and any show that's on the air is good. Yeah. I always say that. Whenever someone's like, that show sucks. It's like, no, no, given the circumstances, the <laughs> yeah. amount of time they had, the amount of fighting in the room, the yeah. amount of money that the network said they couldn't, the re- everything is fantastic. Given yeah. the circumstances, every multicam is genius, okay? Yeah. And, um, I think every critic should have to make an episode of television at least once in their life, and I think that uh, reviews would change drastically because you have to take the uh, what the effort into account. So it's like if you're looking at a bike race, I don't know, I'm just thinking of some, trying to think of a metaphor, like you're going to say like they made it, at, you know, you'd say he made the 400-yard dash, I don't know, yeah. in five minutes. You, you don't, you have to specify the amount of the dash. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so you should specify the level of difficulty in making a show into reviewing it. Oh, yeah, because I remember you another – I have all these, like, vivid memories of that time of, like, you just, like, dying. Like, that yeah. was – like, I remember you wrote me a Christmas card. You're like, thank you for <laughs> keeping me alive. Thank you for keeping Dan me alive. Dan Levy literally <laughs> kept me above water But I remember you were like – I'm still mad at you for not just letting me die. And you were, like, typing on Final Draft, and you're like, I can't type anymore. Remember I had two computers? I would <laughs> yeah. write, write on two computers at once and, and then you said i you said this is this is this, this can't happen this is pencils down comedy i can't do pencils this anymore down comedy which is like because it's also like again we're comedians i know what's funny i know what's not funny i know when something's not working yeah and it's like the critics are like this didn't i'm like i know yeah we were there we were there i know what's not funny <laughs> and i also the critics were because i was like you know there's a couple the big thing the big headline was um Laugh track, yeah. laugh track. The f- laughs are fake. And I was like, come to a taping. No, every- I, Come I, to I, a taping, I'll show you. And by the way, the only show that did have a laugh track was How I Met Your Mother, and nobody would talk about How I Met Your no Mother. One, no, one, no one would say it. I so know. it's like they have an agenda. And I was and there, I, 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 will, I am proof that uh, you would go to the line producer, Nancy Haas. Yes. And you would like, once a week, I remember there'd be these meetings, and you'd just be like, can we take out the seats. There's too many people laughing. Too many people and take out the microphones yeah. in the seats because it's overwhelming the and, laughs. And she would be kind of having a panic attack because she'd be like, yeah. Whitney, that's not that's not what happens. People this is this is we're we're normal stage. Yeah. This is a multicam. And yeah. you'd be like, No, no. People hate the laughs. Yes. And that was like at the point you where you were sort of like you, you were just kind of like consumed. <laughs> Which by is like tricky all when someone crate. has too much experience. I mean, she was on the Cosby show. She was not, you know, so it's like when someone's had that much experience and they're like, Okay, I have this kid with an innovative idea or like a crazy idea, am I going to lean on my 30 years of what's worked or take a risk? Yeah. Like, I mean, I, 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 everyone thought I was insane, but I kept coming in like just as an outside fresh eyes being like a lot of things about this system don't work, you know, like in multicam, the way the schedule works is you have a table read on say, you know, Wednesday or Monday or whatever yeah. it is, you know, then you have a, producers run through then you have a network run through and then after the network run through you kind of have to rewrite the whole thing because the network gives you all these notes and then the next thing you do is pre-shoot the scenes that are outside or difficult to shoot in front of an audience and then you shoot in front of the audience that's you have five days basically but after the network run through after the third day you basically have two days to rewrite it from scratch because you're gonna get all those notes so 
I was like, so, and then you shoot it Friday. You guys shoot Friday nights, right? Yeah, yeah. So my thing was, why are we shooting Friday, the day that everyone's the most tired? <laughs> this is crazy to me. Yeah. And why are we getting network notes the day before we shoot? We should get network notes at least two days. So I was like, can we switch it? Can we do our table read? Oh, no, and get more time and have a weekend to like yeah. think and see if we're crazy. So when I moved it to wet table read Wednesday, network run through Thursday so we could get the network notes right away. Producer run through Friday, which is just the writers being like, okay, let's, I called it a fun through. Yeah. Let's mess around. And then we have the weekend to memorize the script and the actors actually have time with it. And then I would have to be here on Sunday. Then you would have to work here Sunday and watch me cry and exercise. Well, that was... that. And then we shoot Monday. Yeah. So we're rested. Like, it was like no one had thought of that or something. It was... And that was what was really interesting, like, with you because you are, even though people don't realize this, you're a girl. So... (laughs) So there's a lot to take care of, you know? So like when you would be like tired and like up yeah. to like four in the morning, it's like different, honestly, even working with like, you know, John Mulaney, like he, he's a dude. He could like wake up, you know, fix his hair, you know, put on some makeup and then be fine. You, th- there would be notes like Whitney looks tired. Oh yeah. She's a tired girl. Yeah, she looks tired. We she needs a, to eat more. We like, took a hiatus week that was because the under eye bags under my eyes were so bad. And then- the uh, line producer and producers, without telling me, thank God they didn't tell me, started fixing my under, under eye bags in post production. Yeah, with, an, so with, 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 with animatics. With right? animatics. I was basically an animated character on Winnie. <laughs> <laughs> and so basically, someone, um, all of a sudden, the cuts started being needed to be needing to be delivered earlier. They're like, we need the cut tomorrow. And I'm like, what? Like, they're rushing me on getting cuts back of the edits. And then one, and I didn't know why, but everything's so stressful that just, you just absorb it. And then one day I was at um, a taping and I really try to pride myself on getting to know the crew. It's a lot of people, but yeah. you know, if everyone's job is really important is another thing that I learned. It's like writing the show, starring in the show. Those are like sometimes the least important jobs. Except for the actors. Except for the actors. <laughs> It's like everyone, makeup and I mean, everything is just so important. Cameras and sound and everything. So I kind of really tried to get to know everyone and that kind of became my family because I was there so much. Yeah. And Andy Ackerman who did every Seinfeld and did Mulaney with you and us, like he just, he he puts such an amazing crew together um, that I tried to get to know everyone, know their names, be like a, I tried to be like a leader, you know, on some level. And um, because if they're not happy with their jobs, it's going to show. And I saw this guy at craft services that I had never met before. And he looked like he like knew about something. And I was like, hi, I just, you know, do you work? I just want to introduce myself. And he said, yeah, I'm so-and-so. And I was like, oh, what do you do on the show? I, I can't believe I haven't met you. And he goes, oh, I fixed your face. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm sorry, what? And he's like, oh, yeah, I, I fix your under eye bags in post-production. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, like I didn't even know that that was happening. And that's, of course, why we had to deliver the cuts earlier. And I asked him, I was like, oh, so I was just so shocked and like um, dumbstruck. I was like, oh, well, what else have you worked on? And he was like, oh, I think it was like Finding Nemo, (laughs) Shrek. Like all like like animated shows. Like. But then I remember you came back to the writers' room and you're like, "I'm a cartoon. I'm a cartoon." <laughs> Everyone's like, "Okay, she's fully lost her mind." Looks fully lost her mind. I'm gonna close my door. <laughs> so it was just like, oh Jesus. I it? mean, that's when people say that to me all the time. Like, what's the hardest part? I'm like, look, you know, or what's the hardest part of being a woman in the business or whatever? And I'm like, look, I'm not gonna say being a woman's hard and it's harder and women have. It's just. The, the challenge is I have to be there at 5 a.m. for makeup. The guys show up at 8. 
Yeah. It's that three hours less of sleep, three hours in the makeup chair that I could be writing, I could be eating healthy, I could be... She was such a good person that when people just were so mean, yeah. it was like, you know... It was like, I just felt so bad. And you, you know, you went through so much stuff with your mom. There's so much stuff going on that, yeah. that first season where it yeah. was like, you know, it was like, it like broke I was, you. I guess we, when did we start writing? I guess we shot the pilot in May. We start writing in June. My mom had a stroke in July. Yeah. So I remember being gone for like a week of yeah. the first month of production. And then my sister got sick too. Yeah. Um, which was actually kind of a nightmare at the time, but I think was sort of a godsend because it was able to, take my focus off of yeah it was a distraction but at the same time it was humanizing it was was like it helped me to put everything in perspective of like this you know having your own tv show like it's not the most important thing in the world you know like go to sleep yeah you know um but yeah i mean it's tricky doing the roast was like always a blessing and a curse you know i loved it and i love writing jokes you know like and joke Joke writing, as you know more than anyone, is just like a fun art form. I mean, as Neil Brennan said, is like it doesn't matter what a comedian is doing or how famous yeah. they are. If you text them, hey, can I get some roast jokes about so-and-so, they'll respond rapid fire. You'll, they'll stop everything they're doing to write roast jokes. Yeah, remember he texted us both. He was like, I'm doing something for Chris Rock or something. Alan and Thick or something. It was like Alan Thick, yeah. And he's like, this person will be there. And we literally like I in left, five seconds, there was like 30 jokes for both of us. I left in exercise <laughs> class. <laughs> I know. Physique 57 in New York. I left to go write Alan Thick jokes. I mean, it's like, it's just so fun. It's part it's math. Best. It's just so fun. And so, you know, I had written for the roast before I got on that. Uh, Joan Rivers was kind of not even supposed to happen. I was supposed to be on the Larry the Cable Guy roast, and then they said no, and then, you know, they booked me for it, then canceled me for it. Uh, more failures that most people don't know about <laughs> and rejections. And then I did, yeah, Joan Rivers was cool enough to let this, like, unknown nobody, um, you know, make fun of her face. Yeah. ridiculous. But, you know, I think, you know, Lampanelli, like, I, I used to watch her cry after the roasts. Like, we're just made of glass. Like, we're so sensitive. But you got to go up there and be tough. But I think be- you become funny because you're so sensitive. Yeah. You know, I know exactly what's going to hurt your feelings. I know exactly how to get, you know that bullet wound, like where it's going to sting, but then someone's going to get up and hurt me too. It's, you become a comedian as a defense mechanism. You know, it's a shield, it's a, it's a weapon. So I have all these weapons because I'm like a porcupine. I'm so soft. And, and you love jokes. Like you, I love jokes. you love jokes so much. And I think with the roast was different than TV show because when Greg Giraldo is, you know, said like, who did you, who, what'd you what was no, his joke? No, first was Whitney Cummings is here. For, for some, some reason. reason. <laughs> So simple. <laughs> so it was simple. so funny. But you, you, even though they'll be super mean, it was like yeah. you're laughing so hard where I felt like when the TV show was going on and people were just like criticizing you, but yeah. it wasn't jokes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's way different. That was tricky. I mean, yeah, and I was like, you know, I can take anything. I can, you know, Geraldo and, and Jeff Ross and the best comedians in the world can just like slam me you know, for everything. But I think we all know in the roast environment that we're all joking. We're yeah. all friends. We all respect and love each other. And, and you know, insults, I'm not saying it's healthy, but that's how comedians show love to each other. We just bag on each other constantly. Yeah. It's like, you know, it's it's people watch the roast and they're like, damn, that's mean. They don't understand that we all like hang out. Yeah. And we're buddies and we know it's all a game and we're getting paid and it's a shock value thing. Um, and uh, And we also stay away from the things we really know. Like, yeah. no one ever talked about Geraldo doing drugs. Yeah. You know, and that's how he died. Like, we we would stay away from that because we know that's what would actually hurt him. Whereas we'd all do jokes about how he could never be on TV. He didn't really care. Yeah. You know? So it's like, 
we would stay away from the things that would um, got real. But yeah, I mean, I think that for me, the critics thing was tricky because a couple things. Because it felt so misogynist, it was like the way they described me were like, she's shrill, she's loud, she's bossy, like things that like, because I was, I think something I was proud of with the show was kind of the role reversal. It was like my character was more traditionally masculine and Chris's character was more traditionally feminine. He wanted to get married, I didn't. He wanted to commit, I, you know. Yeah. And guys didn't like it. Women didn't even like it. Um, and uh, I also think it was unfair, all the like, laugh track i think that's irresponsible journalism that and wasn't nobody- it so frustrating like because I, I think about it too where you had uh two broke girls because i you know because i worked on the pile two broke girls worked yeah. on the pile to whitney yeah then they both get picked up two broke girls goes off to syndicate gets you like you know uh a, a ridiculous car <laughs> 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 and this house and more stuff um and it's just gonna be on for forever and it's like huge shit and then Whitney was on for only two seasons, which is not only, but I mean, it was on for two it's seasons. 40 something episodes. It was, it a was a lot of shows. A lot of shows. But what, it, was it frustrating that, like, y- you have two shows you create, the one you're on, they're criticizing, the one you're not on that you create goes syndicates the one, in the but, first uh, season? Two Girl got, Two Broke Girls got criticized a lot. Yeah. It actually did um, for being racist. They thought it was racist or something. That was kind of the big headline for that, though. Right. And, you know, CBS is like just a little more um, uh, inoculated against criticism for multicams because they have so many. I mean, being yeah. on NBC, we kind of stuck out like a sore thumb. It was all the like community fans and Parks and Rec fans. And then it was like, like we are like the country bumpkin uncle who was like, hey, look at us and our jokes. Yeah, you know? well, people probably don't remember, but like the first couple episodes of Whitney, the cold opens were single camera. Yeah, we started doing single camera cold opens, which w- felt so unnatural and for me, because again, like we're comedians, I like to the audience to tell me how I'm doing. Yeah. So that was really hard. Um, but yeah, critics, I just don't really care. You yeah. know, I think it's like, again, because I care about, People, I care. I, uh, my whole thing is let's see what the audience thinks. They're yeah. my boss. I work for the audience. They're the ones that buy tickets. They're the ones that watch the shows. Like, if you think it's funny, I'm happy. You know, I'm not, I don't care about the five critics who went to Harvard who have never made a show in their life, you know? Yeah. And one of my favorite quotes, I think it's an Oscar Wilde quote. Don't quote me on that. <laughs> but it's, um, he says that critics uh, come to the battlefield after the war has been won and they kill the survivors. <laughs> Which I just love. That's it's just awesome. like we've made it. We got on TV. We've been staying up till two in the morning. Half these people aren't seeing their kids. I'm exhausted. We're like I'm a cartoon. I'm a cartoon. <laughs> like I've taken twenty years off my life. I'm trying to entertain people, <laughs> and you're gonna come at me like tell me I'm not funny. Like how do you you what, like what the audacity like. I, you can't, yeah. you know, it's so funny when people say like certain comedians aren't funny. It's like, you don't get to say that because yeah. comedy is a democracy. So if Dane Cook, whoever it is, is on stage and everyone in the audience is laughing, they're funny. That's yeah. like saying the sky's not blue. That's like saying grass isn't green. Yeah. You're li- it's just, you're a liar. Yeah. You can't say someone's not funny if they're getting laughs. Yeah. And then, and then we just to continue, season one was insane because of all like the turmoil around us. Yeah, and it, here's another thing that might just be interesting for people was that, remember, it was like first seven, seven, first seven episodes was let's make it like the pilot. Yeah. Second five, they're like, let's make it like friends. And they kept changing directions. What people don't understand is, I mean, especially me, because I was inexperienced and um, maybe somewhat of a control freak, we had broken out the whole season. Yeah. Remember, we had come up with every episode. Yeah. We were like, had written like five ahead and then they say change direction. So we have to totally... 
you know, throw out all that work we had done. You got to find a black guy. You got to find a black guy. <laughs> but then- but not too black. But, but then Bob Greenblatt doubled down, like didn't matter, like people were saying. Because here was the funny thing about that show is like, Critically, people were like, you know, obviously not nice, yeah. but the show did well. People, it's so funny because again, I don't, critics aren't my audience. They're I know. not my demo. I'm not listening to you. So it's like, I'm also not listening to five-year-olds, what yeah. they think, you know? So it's like, I now touring, like people loved it. They know every episode, they're yeah. yelling out lines from it. So I'm like- Because a lot of people saw it, especially, people loved it. Yeah. you know, you look at the numbers now of these shows that are even like getting picked up again. Like yeah. they're just like, no one watches TV. So at the time- yeah. When Whitney was like premiered at like probably what like a a two and then it was yeah. like even like when we like were just sort of like after the office which was not its real yeah. demo anyway yeah and even like the last couple episodes that we did I think we like were like sort of just at like consistently at like a one six which it, right now would be like, like monster hit it's a huge blockbuster hit <laughs> a blockbuster and it but I think it was also an interesting you know um, time like television is such, in such a transitional. Period. I mean, yeah. we made it when Netflix started emerging. Uh, cable started becoming the place to be. Hulu and HBO Go. I mean, it was just like, you know, no one really knew it was working. And it was like throwing shit against a wall. And, you know, it still hasn't settled. That's why I took the last like two years off from television. Because I was like, I don't really know the rules. And I don't want to like jump on a boat that's like yeah. sinking. You know, so uh, it, it happened during an interesting time. But I also think, as you know, like, I think... As much as I, of course, would, would have wanted the show to keep going or I'd want to do it again tomorrow, I love the cast. Like, I love the show. Um, and now I feel like I know how to do it. Yeah. You know, I feel like by the time you get to your second season, you know what you're doing. And that's unfortunate because then that's when you get canceled. It's like <laughs> the first season, sh you shouldn't even air the first season yeah, of any show. You just yeah, people are, when people are like, oh, I didn't like the pilot, it's like, oh, yeah, no one likes the pilot of yeah. anything. I'm sorry. Yeah, no one, like, you're exactly right. The pilot's, like, practice. You fire half the people from the pilot. Nothing were. It looks like our first, our second episode looked nothing like the pilot. Yeah. I always say you just shouldn't air the pilot. It's just like an audition. Yeah, you, you should know? literally then start, you start the like, series. Episode, That's where you yeah. work out the kinks. Episode 30 should be the pilot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no it might be confusing, but it'll make sense. Yeah, it's like, doesn't make any sense. So it's like, um, the show, as me personally, like, the show, when it started, was me when I was 26. Yeah. And then all this stuff happened to me and I started growing and changing. So by the time we got to the second season, I felt like I was kind of doing a bad impression of who I was four years ago. And it was like hard, it's hard to grow on a TV show. Remember we kept trying to get yeah. the character to grow and it just felt like I had outgrown the character a little bit. Yeah, I almost person. think like the next, the next thing you do should actually, you should go back to that Comedy Central pilot <laughs> of you playing like a version of yourself from back then. Because I remember the flashback episode of Whitney, which might have been episode like 14. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, the one where I met Chris. Where you had bangs. I had bangs, yeah, and I met That was a great episode because that, that was, was almost like we were writing towards the old Whitney, but like the old, old Whitney. Yeah, Not yeah, like, yeah. It, which, is, which is a funny, you know. Yeah, a, that a was mess, a good A mess episode. of a person. <laughs> yeah, dude, multicam, it's tricky. It's like, it's, they look, you know, they look corny. <laughs> They just do. People just decide that they're corny, you know? But and it's so annoying because, like, it's at frustrating night— It's because I feel like the most subversive thing you can do is multicam because it's the most—what no one else is doing. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and, and it's funny because I was just going to say is that, like, at night, I still, like, will watch Friends and Seinfeld, and I, like, laugh Seinfeld hysterically. Seinfeld reruns still do better than any originals. <laughs> I know. It's multicams insane. Multicams are the biggest—most people listening—well, maybe not this podcast, but most people— <laughs> No one's listening to this podcast. No, it's— <laughs> <laughs> Me, I will be listening. <laughs> 
Um, but uh, yeah, it's what most people watch in Disney Channel, and you know, are all multicams. Are, don't you star yeah. in those shows, Stan? <laughs> that, so our next generation is watching multicams. So we're about to have a generation that likes multicam, yeah. and we have adults who are like, "That's corny." It's like, so and then annoying. you ask anyone their favorite show, and they say Seinfeld. It's like, so you don't hate multicams? Like, pick a lane. Yeah, you know. But then the season two was interesting because. It was season one. We had all this like, you know, there was like a lot of issues just with like taste wise. I think taste wise, season two I actually felt like was interesting for me because I was one of the few writers. I think me and Teresa, Teresa Mulligan were yeah. the only writers who came back for that yeah. second season. And it was I felt like the writing staff there was a different respect for you than the first season because you now have like you were famous because the first you know first season you were just like the comedian and now yeah. you're on TV for a year and you had two broke girls and yeah. you're about to do a talk show and it was like a whole different sort of vibe yeah um but the TV landscape was just changing and i felt That's like true. it was just like gonna we were just, it was just harder to kind well, of it was like also, make it work i remember the second year you know and this is um you know for anyone interested in television like our time slot kept changing so it's very hard to you know i mean big bang theory people now know it's on thursday at a certain time you know we were on Friday, then they moved us up to Tuesday, then they moved us back to Wednesday. It's just like our time slot kept changing. I didn't have time to do as much press. Like it was just like a lot of tricky. We didn't really have a multicam lead in. And you weren't barely around. That's what was really right. crazy. Is I was that doing a talk show. You were doing the talk show. Yeah. If I, I, th I wonder if I hadn't done the talk show, if the sitcom would have been better and gone longer. I wonder. Yeah, I mean, I think about that too. I mean, I feel like we probably would have had a better chance because you were just... But it was tricky because the talk show, another little nerd alert, Jeopardy moment, <laughs> um, was that it was for E!, which is Universal, which is also NBC. So the idea was this talk show could help the sitcom. Yeah. You know, and I think that's part of the reason I did it was because it would, you know... Well, in my mind also, it was like that talk show... Because obviously I was, you know, with you, so I helped with a talk show too. Right, right. And in my mind, I was like, oh, okay, this makes sense. Like the sitcom is sort of like seems like it's like dying, and now this talk show is is great, and it's like super exciting, and like you know, you're like, I felt like you were in your elements doing talk that talk show? show. Yeah, I think it was just like E was. Uh, I was just like again, you need like to. Like, you know, anything. Like, you look at Chelsea's first episode of her talk show, like, it's not going to be what it was, you know, to, you're you're nervous, you're figuring it out. I yeah. mean, the first episode I was yelling because I just didn't know how the mics worked. Like, you... Yeah. No, you, no, you're always yelling. I get <laughs> If you only heard the voices in my head, how loud they yell. But, it but was then like, it, it, it was so weird because I felt like that that was you. Obviously, you know, it would have... It you would have figured things out as you were and doing it. And I also it. was working, I think, like three hours a week on the talk show. So we would, if again, you were just if I showing had, up. And, and again, if I had spent more time, I feel like those episodes would have been. Better. You were treating the talk show like the soup, <laughs> <laughs> and you didn't realize that you actually had to like rewrite everything. Not to rewrite everything, but you had to like kind of put go your over it go and, over yeah. everything. And it was the Whitney Cummings talk show, or yeah. Love You Me, Whitney yeah, Cummings. Yeah. So, and then when that show ended, I was like, that surprised me more than anything because I was like, that was pretty consensual. I mean, it was just, it was very, again, I don't care about celebrities. Which yeah. It's just like, I i just don't. I don't know why I don't, I don't care. So it's like, for me, I always wanted to sort of comment on, you know, the misogyny or the whatever in the media, but E! is all about celebrating the media. So it's yeah. like, they're like, you can't make fun of Kim Kardashian. I'm like, what? Yeah, remember I was with you for that one meeting with E! And you're like, I want the first guest to be Tim Cook. <laughs> 
and they were like, Apple. I wanted Michael Moore. They wanted Honey Boo Boo's mom. I know. So, and then it was tricky because I was like, had some friends come on, like Lizzie Kaplan, and like, and they're like, she's not famous. I was a regular on that show. You, Dan Levy, was a regular. <laughs> They, I finally become a regular, and the show gets canceled every six episodes. I know that's. I now we know the problem. Gee Silver. Oh, we didn't even talk about what that. What is it? Dan is um, was a Rhea cutting character. <laughs> I was a Rhea cutting character. He got on Whitney. cut out of every episode. I I played Guy in uh, season Gee, one. I well, no, it was Guy. G guy one. won. Guy. So I just called oh, himself guy. D. That was in the proposal episode. Yeah, you yeah. walked by with a tattoo. Yeah, and I right. talked, I made a podcast joke. That's right. <laughs> hey, dude, to hook up my podcast. Yeah. And uh, it was Guy one. I changed it to Gee. Then we gave him a last name, Gee Silver. Gee Silver. And then the joke was that Gee Silver was going to keep on coming back. And then he kept on coming back and kept on getting cut. Getting cut out of the show. <laughs> and then there was an episode where uh, Chris D'Elia's character like falls off a stage and you were sitting next to me like texting. Yeah, yeah. Because I wrote that episode. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I love that episode. God, I love that episode. Thank you for listening to Harper Audio Presents, edited by Sharon Matlin with production help from Jennifer Monroe. If you've liked what you've heard, be sure to check out the full People in My Phone podcast. And we'll hear more from Dan in a future Harper Audio Presents episode.